0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 401. So long, Sam. Hey. In the on the Hello, Big Chillians, and welcome back to a new season of The Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined only with Eddie. So for our avid listeners, you'll know that that means Sam is no longer with us. He has gone on to greener pastures and will forever be in our hearts for the next week or so until we completely forget about him and his outrageous takes and his arsenal optimism.
1: Yeah, I mean, in some respects, probably good for him, because obviously if he'd been on this episode just after they lost in the FA Cup, it would have been difficult for him to put an optimistic spin on that. Although I'm sure he would have managed, he probably would have said that's more opportunity for them to focus on the league and qualifying for the Champions League. So I'm sure there would have been an interesting take. But yeah, he hasn't died. He's just decided that uh, he's going to focus on other areas of his life. So... Although some
0: listeners have said he is now dead to them. Oh, so, yeah, that's been close. Yeah,
1: that's been the universal feedback. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, no, we obviously, oh, you know, wish him all the best and obviously also, also wish that, you know, a year, two years from now, he looks back on this and thinks it's one of the biggest mistakes he's ever made. So, do we wish him all the best or
0: just some wish him some, some best? best. <laughs> we wish him some <laughs> because
1: all- Hopefully he gets some bad things that we can talk about in the podcast and joke and laugh about yeah, them. <laughs> we wish him all the okay. How about that? I think that's probably the fair assessment, but no, uh yeah, and obviously we've 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 kind of done this episode a couple of times. It's, it's there's been some technical issues on our end, so his final episode has never been aired before any conspiracy theories start. There was nothing linked to whatever happened on the final episode and it not appearing, but it was just technical difficulties on our end. And we knew he was going at that point anyway, but, uh, but yeah, we've had a longer holiday than expected, I guess. And I know our listeners have <laughs> de- have been desperately missing the podcast and they'll be happy to have it back popping up in their podcast apps.
0: Yeah. I've had a few people reach out to me and and demand where these episodes have been. And unfortunately, they've been delayed, but we are back now with a fresh season four, just in
1: time for NFL playoffs. Yeah, no, in some respects, it's good timing. I, I guess we could call Sam the <laughs> Carson Wentz, maybe, of the podcast. Is that, but he, uh, yeah, no, it's good timing in a sense for us to make a reappearance. It's also worth noting uh, that we will be having a greater presence on our social media in the coming weeks and months. So if you're not already following us, do follow us, the Big Chill Podcast on Instagram, the Big Chill Pod on Twitter, or you can search for our YouTube channel and follow us there. There'll be video clips from the episodes appearing uh, more frequently than they have in the past, as that's now a lot easier for us to do. So, worth it. And, and also because Sam was holding us back. So another good reason. So, so long, Sam.
0: Another good reason. Now we can increase our presence. It's just really <laughs> ugly, so it was hard to put out video content. <laughs> Oh, shots fired. Three minutes and thirty seconds into his final
1: departure. <laughs> so now we, we've not got his, you know, ogre of a face appearing in any of the videos. So we, we can we can start putting those videos out. Oh man. Yeah. So they, uh...
0: Oh, so long, Sam. <laughs> Hope you're still listening. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just don't look in a mirror. But yeah, no, he's uh, but yeah, yeah. So anyway. We've, we've, Getting on to obviously the NFL playoffs starting this weekend at an interesting final week of the regular season yesterday. I don't know where exactly should we should start. So maybe should we start with the your beloved New York Giants who managed to get head, oh, <laughs> managed to get wow. headlines in a totally meaningless game with the oh. amazing decision. I mean, there's only one real talking point from the game, but the decision to I mean they did back to back QB sneaks. But a QB sneak on a third nine from what their own twelve yard line or whatever it was. It's was about like the six, yeah, just supposedly according to Joe Judge to give them a little bit of extra space for their punt, which they did. He viewed that as a success. He, <laughs> yes, he said it succeeded. It's, it, I mean, it's it's
0: unbelievable on so many levels. I try not to care so much, but I can't help but be invested because I do watch all of their games. And it doesn't really affect me at a personal level, but it is really interesting to see all the responses. And he is just getting teed up, deservedly so. For all season, he's made these comments about how relentless he's going to be as a coach and how relentless the team is. And just people tearing into him about, being relentless on QB sneaks and relentless about getting that one yard needed for a better punt. I mean, he's just getting ripped apart. And it's just amazing to me that he doesn't get that he just needs to get to the podium, say, hey, you know what? We've we've disappointed the season. I get it. I want it to be better. We're not. We're going to fix it. But he continues to go on these epic rants about – how they're still competing how they're still fighting they've scored one touchdown in four games they have they've lost by over 10 points their last six games and that's a flattering stat because one was 11 every other game is like 16 18 22 24 i mean these are these are brutal how can you say you're still competitive just say we suck i get it we'll we'll revamp this
1: next year stop with the bs already no one believes you shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah, it's a bad look. And and just sometimes that honesty from a coach, I think in any sport, when you get it, when they're just trying to convince you that everything is going to plan, even when it's, you know, going up in flames, horrifically, is very frustrating from a fan perspective. But as we spoke about previously, I mean, the Giants, it's just hard to see. I know that they've, they've got what, the fifth and the ninth pick in the draft, I think. Five and eight, eight. but it's just hard to see what the real positives are within this team. I mean, it's not like two high draft picks are going to radically change. It doesn't seem on paper like the strongest draft around. You know, like sometimes even if you look back on last year, where it seemed like there were four, maybe five solid QB prospects in the draft, it's difficult to see who the game-changing player is at the moment. I mean, that doesn't mean there won't be one, uh, but it's it's difficult to see the positive for this positives for the Giants right now
0: yeah I mean we don't need to discuss too much because they're you know the the non-talking point of the NFL right now at least for the next six weeks but I, you know everyone wants Joe 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 Judge fired and I'm actually okay with this last year because you have the fifth and the eighth pick this year you maybe fill in some really necessary pieces with an O-line a D-line an edge rusher upgrade a little bit and then next year either they're going to improve slightly and start to build that team or they're going to be just as bad as they were this year get another top five draft pick get rid of judge get rid of jones and then you have a chance to bring in a good qb you had two good draft picks the year before and now you can kind of start to jumpstart that team so i don't think it's the worst case scenario because like you said you're not getting a qb this draft anyway so you know it's not i don't think it's worth getting rid of judge and jones especially i mean you don't have a much better option right now give him his last year see what happens if he does improve that's great wow you got lucky if he doesn't you know you probably got a better chance to get someone decent next year than this year so I mean, he's. I love that he called Was- the Washington football team a clown show of an organization, and then they came in and beat him twenty-two to seven, and for a while he attempted back-to-back QB sneaks. So the, the the clown show is amazing.
1: Yeah. Now, and just in general, I think the Giants have to avoid firing shots at anyone else. They obviously got really bad sort of coverage and social media reaction when they offered that free diet Pepsi or whatever promotion they had for season ticket holders a couple medium weeks ago. medium soda <laughs> a <couple weeks> ago. <laughs> couldn't even get the large soda. They offered season ticket holders a medium soda. In the fan appreciation day. So I just think at the moment it's not the time to be taking taking aim at any other teams in the league. but I guess from one disaster can move on to I guess there were two big disasters yesterday. I think one is the headline grabber, which is the Colts, who went in as the heaviest favorites yesterday of any team. I guess actually the Bills were slightly heavier favorites. Uh, I think they were 16-point favorites, maybe the Colts, at kickoff. I think the Bills were 18 or something like that. But anyway, super heavy favorites going into a game against a team that had the week before lost 50-10, to 10, shown very few signs of life over the past few weeks, and just never turned up. I mean, I... Genuinely having watched all of that game, if you flip that around and you had stuck the Jags in the Colts uniforms and vice versa, that game kind of went the way you expected it to, just in the total opposite. If what <laughs> I just said yeah. made any sense, but
0: <laughs> well, it's 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 a real shame that our prediction episode will never get aired because we both predicted the Jags to beat them. You know, so we we both had that
1: one nailed. It's unfortunate that no one will, will be able to hear that. <laughs> It is actually a shame. We did make some good. We did. We did both pick the Lions against the Packers. We had that upset. You know, overall, yeah. we both picked the Niners. Uh, we did not pick the Jags, so, though, as, as we were just. No, no, out. But we did. We did actually do okay in the picks, <laughs> and we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of yeah. sum that up as we go into the playoffs uh, in next episode. But no, I mean, they just Carson Wentz. That that's as close as you could imagine to a career-ending performance i think the only thing that saves him is just how heavily invested the colts are in him in terms of what they gave up to get him but i mean there that was terrible that was one of the worst quarterback performances in a must-win game i've ever seen yeah
0: you know it okay wentz was terrible But you have to go past that in a must-win performance where nothing they did was good. I don't think their strategy as a team was great. They seemed to not want to run the ball in the beginning and then obviously got behind and then couldn't really run the ball. But they didn't really establish the run like they normally do. They didn't really make much of a play action. The defense, they kind of let... Lawrence sit back there and throw instead of pressuring them when they know he's not great against the Blitz. Like every aspect of what they went out there to do is just a failure. That was, if you're a Colts fan, you have to be really angry at your team as a whole after that performance. That's got to be so frustrating with the high hopes you have with a win in your in against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who basically have shut it down looking at their last week's performance and thinking, yes we couldn't ask for anything better except we forgot to ask for the Colts to actually play.
1: (laughs) I can't. I mean, if you were a Colts fan, you would have gone into yesterday with zero concerns. I would have just gone into if thinking, yeah, we're in the playoffs. Maybe we're not built. We're not looking as good as we have at certain times over the course of this season. I mean, but they had put in good performances in recent weeks, but, and Carson Wentz, that was, he hadn't thrown an interception on the road going into yesterday. And then, just started as looked like he was aiming for the Jags at times, but really bad performance. I guess the stat we missed on that too was the Colts haven't beat the Jags
0: in Jacksonville in what eight years now?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those that falls definitely into those meaningless stats categories, but yeah, no, I guess it's a little bit of uh,
0: unless maybe there's a great nightclub in Jacksonville that they all go pregame oh, and then aren't ready
1: for the game, maybe, yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, a shocker. And we did joke. I joked to you going into this week of, well, are you excited that you'll get one last chance to see Ben Roethlisberger in the playoffs? We thought that that was a scenario that was almost impossible. And here we are. We're going to get to watch Ben Roethlisberger sign off. I mean, who knows? Maybe he signs off by winning the Super Bowl, but at least he's going to get to sign off with a playoff performance. Yeah, I can't
0: believe that they made the playoffs. Obviously, we'll get into the the Sunday night win-and-your-end game, which was an amazing second half in overtime, one of the f- more fun I've ever watched in a, in a crucial final game of the season to determine who makes the playoffs. It was freaking unbelievable. But it's a disappointment. I, I mean, listen, it's fine. I, I think he kind of deserves that little victory tour i don't see them having any chance of winning he gets to go out saying you know they won what three out of the last four or four of the last five to make it into the playoffs call him dead on the field if you want but he's still got those wins yeah. rode off into the playoffs fine but from a fan standpoint i don't know many people who would say they'd rather watch big ben over justin
1: herbert in in a playoff game (laughs) no but part of me feels like i'd almost rather watch the steelers and the chargers though i know that justin herbert the, the chargers blow so hot and gold we even saw that over the course of yesterday's game they're they're clearly much more talented than say the chargers the steelers sorry but i feel like they really don't deserve it because there's so much wasted ability there the the coaching is at times, horrific. We've spoken about it on previous episodes with the commitment of going for it on fourth downs. There was some questionable decision-making in going for it on fourth down yesterday. I also think that's probably the worst timeout I've ever seen called at the end of the game because I think if he doesn't call the timeout, they just, the Raiders let the clock run out. Now, that is a
0: heavily debated topic this morning. And uh, so... What they didn't make very clear on the broadcast is the Raiders also were playing for seeding. And had they tied, they'd be the sixth seed and would be playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead. If they win, they play the Bengals in Cincinnati. If you were to ask me who would you rather play, I would much rather play the Bengals. And I know the Chiefs have their issues on offense or defense, but... The Chiefs are still a Super Bowl-winning team over the past two years, Super Bowl or AFC championship team, and know what they're doing in playoff time. I would much rather face the Bengals who are young and inexperienced. That supposedly was known on the sidelines. And a lot of what's being said, for instance, what Derek Carr said when they interviewed him was, did that timeout change the call? And he said, of course, like, yes, it changed the call. But then his next statement that gets cut off every time is, we wanted to win that game no matter what. So I don't think they would. I think what made them kick the field goal was the fact they got the first down. Not that he called the timeout. Had they run that play and they got lucky and stopped them, then I think they either punted, or kneel on it and run the timeout because they don't want to kick a 56 yarder and have it be blocked and run back in some crazy iron bowl scenario like Auburn. But I think they knew that if they got a first down, they have a chance to win the game and go to Cincinnati over Kansas City. So I don't think that timeout sealed their fate. I I think it was kind of dumb, but his reasoning was he wanted to put out the best defense to not give them those 10 yards, but then they got him anyway. So what, what,
1: you know, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it's a kind of indefensible timeout, but you, know, yeah, it's a big mystery. And obviously there's an element there. There was Raiders players after the game saying that they, they wouldn't have kicked the field goal had it not been for the timeout there, there you could just be trolling uh, some of your competition a little bit. But yeah, I think, you're in a situation where you know you're not going to get the ball back. And certainly not in a position to win the game. Like, best case scenario, you're getting it deep yeah. in your own half with a handful of seconds left. I think you just let the clock run out. There's very few scenarios yeah. where you call the timeout. To, I mean, is it going to make that much of a... I, obviously, it didn't make any difference trying to get the right it defense defense on the, yeah. on the field, but I, I, I don't know. But...
0: I mean, I think the bigger mistake on his part, a bigger coaching blunder, is the fact that the Raiders got that ball back. And I think if you're on the Chargers sideline, you kind of have to feel that they're playing not to lose at that point. And they were so timid in that defense. And like we say, week in and week out, I don't get how teams just let other teams drive down the field with you know a minute remaining. And then once they got to about, what was it, their 35 or 40, it was clear they were just going to run the ball. And that, the uh, the Raiders coach has said, like, we weren't going to throw. We were just going to run every play. And they still didn't even have, you know, 8, 9, 10 in the box. Load it up. You know they're going to run. Stop the run. They they just want to run the clock out and maybe get close enough to kick a field goal. If they get close, they're not going to, you know you know, fake and potentially throw a ball and get sacked and fumbled and things like that, you know, like – they're just terrible defensively when they need to be. And that it, it was, yeah, it was disappointing. I thought the Chargers had that game and that would have been a great, that would have been a cool win. But also, they've had it for the Raiders, they've had
1: an inability to stop the run all season, right? And then in the end, that's kind of yeah. come back to haunt them. So, a, in a way, a fitting way for their season to, to end. But speaking of a team whose season will not be ending this week, the Niners with a coming back from. What looked like they were dead and buried at 17 points down. I have to admit, I thought no hope. But Jimmy G put in one of the best second half performances of his career. I think that's saying Carson. Minus the pick. Yeah. (laughs) Although, I I mean, he he was forcing that one. (laughs) Minus the pick that almost blew it. (laughs) He was forcing that one a little bit, but it wasn't like it it wasn't, it wasn't, it was poor decision making, but it wasn't a horrific throw, if you see what I mean. That is, And he kind of got screwed on the no call yes. with the hit to the helmet. Yes, which would have bailed him out because it didn't really impact the what actually happened. But you would expect it to be called when you see a quarter get, quarterback get smacked in the head. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you have Carson Wentz who has an almost career-ending performance yesterday. Jimmy D, that's a career-saving performance. I mean, that completely changes his image as a quarterback to come out with this injured thumb really look like it's affecting him in the first half and then put together and luck he made some good throws. He was also helped out by, you know, Debo Samuel being amazing at times and the yards after catch that he was able to put together. But you know, they went from looking certain to be eliminated to suddenly being, having a live playoff hope.
0: Yeah, I think
1: um, Jimmy G's
0: uh, thumb injury, according to him, was "fuck it, it hurts," is what he told the media. So obviously, it wasn't feeling well, and he he pushed through, and it was it was an impressive comeback. I did not think they were going to be able to pull that off. He played well; I'll, I'll give him that. And I, you know, I've kind of always been on the Jimmy G side over the Trey Lance side, and you have to keep riding with Jimmy G here. Uh, the real Niner savior is Debo Samuel. He is just a savage. Like, it's unbelievable watching him. Just, I give the Niners a lot of credit for how creative they are in getting him the ball. And part of that is kind of tongue in cheek because the way they do it is just put him in the backfield as a running back. So it's not very creative, but it is in a sense because no one else is doing that, right? No one else is taking DK Metcalf and putting them back there in second and six and giving him an off tackle run. And maybe they should be. But it's just every which way they can get him the ball in open space and just have him, you know, make great plays. It's awesome. And in a game where Kittle was kind of quiet most of the game, they still got so much out of him. So it, it It'll be fun to see them in the playoffs solely for Samuel and Kittle have just been pretty
1: unstoppable this year, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, and a couple of other heroes, I guess, from the from that performance in this in that, you know, we've talked about why can't you have a kicker punt and kick field goals and through injury, that's what the position they found themselves in. It didn't seem to go too badly there. And also then having your fullback as the holder. On some pretty crucial extra points and field goal attempts. I mean, I'm not saying that holding is necessarily the toughest job in the world, but it's probably not. I'm sure your nerves are going through the roof having to hold on a game tying extra point or, you know, an, a crucial field goal when it's not something you've been doing every day in practice for the last few years.
0: Yeah. And for those who weren't watching the, punter got hurt for the Niners and Robbie Gould had to step in and, and punt who's their place kicker. And he had a pretty crucial punt in that fourth quarter. He put him back on, I think the nine or 10 yard line. It was a really nice punt. So that was, that was huge that he could step up little Penn state alum shout out. I heard actually before, before I even went there,
1: (laughs) that's crazy how old he is. I actually (laughs) heard that we've supposed to, uh, a friend of the podcast furlong was telling me that we should get Dane who we've previously had on on back on the podcast to tell his robbie gould story because supposedly he interviewed him yeah during time. he interviewed him
0: for a for a uh oh god what was the course it's one of those courses that they make athletes take that isn't a real course but it's just really fun and you actually enjoy taking it it was like a sports sports journalism but not really like 101 like intro to sports relations or sports media and you had to go out and interview a former Penn State person, and he interviewed Robbie Robbie Gold. Yeah, maybe we can recreate it. We'll get Dane and Robbie Gold back, and we'll ask the same questions
1: and see what the answers yeah, are. Fifteen years on, or whatever it is. Yeah, see uh, see how well they can remember the experience. But now, something for us to cover in the future. But now it is. I've seen that a lot of people have been, have felt that this NFL season is just too long. So the first season with 18 weeks, I can kind of get that kind of understand it at the same time. I think that's more just due to the situation in the world and the pandemic and the fact that games have been moved and teams have had to call up players who they normally wouldn't have had. And sort of life isn't maybe as smooth as it normally is for everyone. And so you're not enjoying the NFL season as much as you maybe would in, under normal circumstances. But they weren't the most exciting slate of games yesterday, but in the end they got a few key finishes that will sort of leave a positive memory. I mean, you know, that that Raiders-Chargers game will probably be what everyone always thinks about. It'll be the regular season game that probably most people think about when they are, they just think about this season. So to have that be the way that they sign off, the ending in the Rams-Niners game, the Colts upset. I think the Ravens-Steelers game was awful, but in the end, it helped the Steelers get through, but that was that was not a good game. And I was surprised to see the Patriots lose, even though that game became less meaningful for them after the Colts lost, because it meant that from a seeding perspective, they kind of had less to worry about in terms of where they finished. But surprised to see them lose to the Dolphins, even if the Dolphins have kind of had their number a little bit in recent seasons.
0: Yeah. I, maybe it was a little long, but just to set up that final game, that Raiders chargers game in that fashion, it it, it was a playoff game, right? It's technically a pre playoff win in are in game. And it, if that's what the playoffs are like, then it's going to be a lot of fun in the playoffs because that game was was really fun to watch and i i am sad that herbert won't be in the playoffs cuz he was just throwing rockets out there he has got a cannon for an arm and it's unfortunate that he won't have the chance like we well the podcast that will never get released we discussed how you have this new crop of quarterbacks coming into the fold and starting to get some playoff experience and and Build their resumes and it's unfortunate that he had another great year but won't have that chance to kind of get some playoff experience under his belt and come that close and you know two epic drives and still not make it but he is giving me do
1: so much he is giving me some serious philip rivers 2.0 vibes though not in terms of personality obviously there's not the anger and rage coming out of him and the facial expressions that you got from philip rivers but just a little bit in terms of there's some bet really bad throws, but then an ability to bail out the team on a fourth and twelve, or by just you know,
0: fourth and twenty-two. Sure, you know, by just <laughs> gunning
1: the ball into triple coverage. And but I, the and it's it's an, obviously an easy comparison to make with them both being at the Chargers. But there is there is just that feeling where. Yes, he's going to put in some incredible performances, and it's obviously very early in his career to make this judgment, but you just worry that maybe there's an inability to put in a complete performance that you need to really win big games.
0: Or maybe like Rivers, the rest of his team around him, including his coaching staff,
1: is just shit. (laughs) You can only do so much. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they look questionable coaching. And and hey... I also think the Raiders are particularly lucky because their some of their defensive play calling in the back end of that game, particularly on you know a touchdown, kind of similar the not, not the t- game tying touchdown where he just threw that into triple coverage. You know, okay, good good play in a sense, but on the previous touchdown. To kind of allow a player to sort of be pretty open in the end zone with three defensive backs in his vicinity not doing a lot. I think there'd be a lot more scrutiny and being applied to that had they then got knocked out. So you kind of forget about the, what the Raiders did wrong towards the end of the game because they ended up winning and it's so much of a results-based you know, analysis. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders didn't play particularly well that game. I
0: mean, they had over 100 yards less offense. Uh, Carr didn't really throw the ball that great. Their defense was pretty Swiss cheese towards the end of that game. I don't think they'll go very far in the playoffs. It, It is pretty amazing what the interim coach has done to kind of right that ship in a season where everyone kind of thought they were completely finished. So I give him credit for that. And it probably will keep his job I mean, I would be surprised now if they fire him after he took the team into what it was and made it into the playoffs. is pretty impressive, so
1: good for him. How, but do you, how do you think Gruden feels? Do you think if you're Gruden, are you upset? Do you, do you get, have that happen to you and then you hope that they just burn? And, or is there part of you that thinks, I had a hand to play in this team making the playoffs and I kind of look better out of the eventual success that they've had?
0: Oh, I think the latter for sure. I have a feeling Gruden thinks of himself very highly, and he's probably saying that was the exact team I put together. In fact, I didn't even want rugs
1: on the team. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Do you think he fired off some interesting emails during and post game? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? We might see him next year. (laughs) Yeah, obviously, we'll do our playoff preview next week, but I guess that's most of the talking points from, you know, there were so many games that really had. There was nothing up for grabs. I guess we could talk a little bit about the Chiefs on Saturday night, which feels like ages ago. They did not look particularly good in that game and were lucky to win. If it had had it not been for that fumble recovery for a touchdown, I don't think they win that game. I mean, that could have been – they could have been down two scores. You know, that's such a massive swing in terms of the situation in the game and the momentum. But they did not look, once again, not look particularly good, which slight cause for concern heading into the playoffs. Yeah, slight concern. Again, I
0: think the Chiefs are just that team where once the playoffs start, they might just click. I don't know. It it wasn't great. Mahomes didn't look sharp. But at the same time, his receivers dropped a lot of balls and were running the wrong routes, which that, that's the part that worries me, is if you don't have Tyree Kill on the field, you rely on, you're rely you relying on Hardman and Pringle. And for most of the game, Pringle, Pringle looked like he had his own playbook that was different from everyone else on the team. There was at least four or five plays that Mahomes kind of gave him the look like, what the hell are you doing? You're running the completely wrong route. So that's, that's worrying if Tyree Kill can't go or has to sit out some sort of the game, whether your backups know what the hell's going on. But again, I think without Tyree Kill, that's a completely different team. So chuck some of that up to him being sidelined. What ninety four percent of the
1: game? I think he had like six plays. But, I mean, he had with the injury that he had. There's a good chance he's certainly not fully healthy going into next week. So yeah, and in the end, the playoff, you know, it's it's a fairly straightforward. You would think. A first round matchup for them, but still it's, you know, there's a possibility that we Tyreek Hill is not, you know, healthy at any point for the remainder of the season now. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're getting
0: lucky and playing the Steelers where they only have to score seven points to beat them. So.
1: <laughs> you never know. Maybe the Steelers are going to be the team of destiny this year. Maybe this is how big Ben, you know, this is how he signs off. I, I do find, I know we kind of talked about it in an episode, obviously, that will never appear, but I do find it interesting just how we're all supposed to think what a great guy this is, how, what an incredible member of the kind of Pittsburgh community he's been over the course of his career. And I'm not saying that his reputation has to be forever tarnished by mistakes that he's made or that those should always be the first things that are brought up when discussing Ben Roethlisberger. But they are not being brought up at all, and I do find that very interesting. That we're just completely forgetting about some pretty controversial moments in his past, and just going, "What an incredible, what a stand-up guy, Ben Roethlisberger, never put a foot wrong, always been just a pillar of the community and an inspiration to young people everywhere." Yeah,
0: that was about what now. 11 years ago. So I guess that's about the time it takes for people to forget. I think that was late two 2000s. Shout out to Sam. 2000s. Oh, One good thing with <laughs> Sam being gone is you never have to hear the freaking word naughties yeah. again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two shots fired at Sam on this episode. <laughs> uh, Take your naughties and shove them, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, No, he, uh, yeah no look and and people have i think as as a society at times right we we don't give people the opportunity to change and improve and grow and i think in particular when you're talking about people making very big mistakes very early in their lives there has to be an opportunity there for him to become a better person and redeem himself so i'm not saying as if he isn't a good person or that you know that should be the first thing that's brought up but i do think still when you are talking about his career it is probably worth mentioning he's also saved a little bit right because the news cycle of horrible things that are done by nfl players is so fast and on the scale of bad things that have been done by nfl players in the last 16 years that's this isn't that high so he's kind of he's, he's saved a little bit by the company he keeps. And so, you know. Yeah.
0: And, and I mean, you're right. I mean, and even in a, I don't want to say like a spin on it, but it is a, maybe a, an example of people do things when they're young and maybe I've, you know, it seems like he regretted it obviously. And, and, tried to better himself and became more involved in the community and did a lot for the city of Pittsburgh afterwards, that it is evidence of this, let's not cancel everyone immediately and get them out of here because maybe they can redeem themselves and maybe they can learn from their lessons. And if anything, this is an example of it and maybe it should be brought up. Like, look, he did have some troubles. He had a troubled past when he was younger coming into the league and seemed to have righted that ship and ended up doing a lot for the community. And you know, got an outpouring of affection on his final home game where people gave him a standing
1: ovation for about an hour. No, 100%. And I don't want to come across as someone who's uh, upset by cancel culture. I think sometimes people do deserve to be canceled. At the same time, I do think there's this weird logic behind it, which is we want everyone to become more knowledgeable and improve and become better people. But then, when you've made a mistake, but you don't get that <laughs> yeah, but then, when, but then, when you've made a mistake, it's like no, 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 no. You cannot become a better person. We have already decided who you are, and it would be an insult to us if you became a better person now, and we had to acknowledge the fact that you have improved. Like I do think there's a weird. Uh, it's it's impossible to reconcile those two different approaches, um, and look, some people do something so horrible that they shouldn't have the opportunity to prove that they're better but in this in his case he he did and but it just i do think it just bothers me slightly when people are talking about him as if there's never been an issue and you know it's a small footnote but one that should be addressed and as you're right it, it could be framed in a way of hey what a turnaround like we're getting to the end of his career and talking about someone who has been a big contributor to his community and he started off in a pretty bad way so there is an opportunity to turn yourself around as a professional athlete, or just as a young person in general. Eddie, hey, speaking of cancel culture, how about Novak Djokovic? <laughs> yeah, on another episode that didn't get aired, obviously he went into this, and but yeah, he's the Australian courts have granted him access. I'm sure he'll probably go on to win the Australian Open now. I mean. In some respects, if you're the ATP tour and you're the Australian organi- Open organizers, this must almost be a dream come true because it just adds an extra level of interest. Not that Novak Djokovic needs many reasons for people to pay more attention to him when he's playing tennis, you know. but this is just a great talking point now where as soon as you get to the quarterfinals or further and Novak Djokovic is involved, and you know that there are going to be some other tennis players on the tour who are going to take some shots at him over the course of this tournament. Andy Murray in particular, because Andy Murray is one of the players who's the most outspoken when it's come to, I mean, over the last 18 months when it's come to Novak Djokovic and his anti-vax position. But just in general, Andy Murray's always happy to have a comment on something he doesn't think is right. But so, I mean... I actually haven't, yeah, it would be, if they could have the opportunity to play against each other, I think that would be must-watch TV.
0: So, uh, speaking
1: of comments, what has the um,
0: outspoken Australian said about this? <laughs> Anything?
1: Oh, Kyrgios?
0: I was yeah, trying, to, Kyrgios, I was I was trying like... to
1: figure out who it looks like. <laughs> Is this someone we know? And then it was like, oh, no, Kyrgios. Well, actually, he's come out, he's kind of defended Djokovic. To a degree. He came out and said, look, I definitely believe in taking action. I got vaccinated because of others and for my mother's health, but how we are handling Novak situation is bad, really bad. Like these memes headlines, this is one of our great champions, but at the end of the day, he is a human. Do better. So, Wow, taking the high road now. Yeah, yeah. Talk about growth. Talk about growth from an athlete. Yeah, that's a real turnaround, <laughs> but now it will be interesting to see. And obviously that's kicking off next week. Um, And it's luck. I don't agree with Novak Djokovic's vaccine position. He's already had major issues, like when he organized a tennis tournament in Serbia back at the beginning of the pandemic, and then it just turned into a super spreader event, uh, including one of his good friend's pregnant wives getting uh, COVID at the time. So he's not made smart decisions. He's a little bit of a kook when it comes to his own health. I know that he attributes so much of his his own ability to overcome early in his career. He was plagued by injuries. And then this sort of semi-quack of a Serbian doctor who was friends with his parents got him to switch his diet and his approach to medicine. And since then, he's basically not suffered from any injuries and been able to put together this incredible career. Now, obviously, from a dietary standpoint, what he's doing is working. Uh, but as we've also discussed before, he some of his beliefs include the fact that he thinks you can uh, clean polluted water just through positive thinking and power of mind. So there's times... Which when- you have yet to prove otherwise this is true so this is true I'll, I'll yeah and I don't you know I guess that's always the, the brilliant thing about having something where you say it's all about positive thought because his counter to that would be if I tried to do it with my own mind but I don't really believe in it being possible then then the argument would be well that's why it hasn't worked you have to be a true believer and if you're not well then you can't do it but you know Each to their own. I'm sure it's made him a more popular figure in some, I did see Nigel Farage went and visited, because you know, uh, Novak Djokovic's family have a restaurant in Belgrade, I think, but certainly in Serbia, but I think it's in Belgrade, where they have most of Novak Djokovic's trophies, and prizes and awards up on display in the kind of entry of the restaurant. So you can kind of go and see the Wimbledon Trophy. US Open Trophy and stuff like that. Kind of cool. That's cool. yes, but Nigel Farage, who people are unfamiliar, was a big uh, Brexit uh, British independence politician. He kind of that was the defining aspect of his career. Uh, I think a lot of people would think of him as being you know on the extreme right on certain political topics and occasionally racist, let's say at best xenophobic. But I saw that he, and he's been in the anti-vax community as well, uh, he went and visited Novak Djokovic's family's restaurant in Belgrade, which I did see Andy Murray said, I hope that when you turned up, you told all of them that you don't think Eastern Europeans should be, are really people. But, so, you know, but, it okay, will. <laughs> It's uh, interesting to see. And I mean, he does have, it's helped by the fact that, you know, f- his main competition, Nadal and Federer are very quiet. I've seen, they've made some comments when they've been asked about it, but for the most part, they are people who try and avoid headlines. So he's not as if he's had the tennis world really attacking him throughout this process. Yeah. And I'm sure he's favorite, right? Uh, he certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean,
0: it's just impressive that I was surprised they turned around and, and accepted the visa after those terrible conditions he was left in with, in a hotel room with his cell phone.
1: No, I mean, how did he survive? (laughs) But no, he is, he is favorite. He is five to four favorite. Medvedev is second favorite. Zverev is third favorite, and then you have Nadal, Sitsipas, Sinner. Yeah, Andy Murray forty to one. That would be an interesting matchup if that if that happened. Kyrgios way down at hundred to one. Now Sam's gone, but we still do get content from some people. Had a little bit of content from Vasilis this weekend. Not in the sense that no great stories. However, he was talking about being. <laughs> Proposition.
0: Wait, real quick, for all for all our new season
1: listeners,
0: yeah. <laughs> we need to get like a little tagline for what Vasilis well, is.
1: Your 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 quirky neighborhood Greek friend or something. <laughs> I think he's impossible to define in only a handful of words. Yes. So you know, the only way to get to know Vasilis is to get to know him. There's no, you know, when I have to introduce him to new people, there's no way to sum up. You never know what he's going to say, what his opinion is going to be on something. what he's going to (laughs) do, where he's going to go, how he's going to do something when he gets there. But he was – One thing you can nail, he loves to eat, I guess. So yesterday he is convinced (laughs) at the bar that we go and watch the NFL at on a Sunday, he is convinced that he can eat 100 wings. And uh, yesterday he went into it saying that he was probably going to eat 100. And then after he ate his first batch – he what's a batch he he orders them in group, in twelves by twelves he could order them in any number like it's not as if it's a set. you can He's it. a traditional dozen guy, yeah, yeah exactly he's old school i uh he ate thirty six <laughs> in the end, but he just said he wasn't up to it. He just didn't have it <laughs> so <laughs> I love that I'm gonna eat a hundred wings I don't feel like it anymore, <laughs> so he said next week he said he'll. I think he was a little hungover. Ooh, just in time for playoffs. Yeah, he was a little hungover, a little tired, but he said next week he'll go for it. But uh, Now, speaking of that real quick before you get to his quote,
0: I did uh, post up that picture of, of you, Vasilis, and a uh, fellow listener, Furlong, and you were, all three were at the bar eating wings, and I asked who could eat the most, and surprisingly... I guess people must just know Vasilis has a voracious appetite because he was voted number one, you were voted number two, and Furlong had about two votes for number three.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean he – I think people just know. I went and ate at his restaurant on Saturday, so he he was working at the time. But then he finished and he sat down to eat with us. He ate – he would ordered like a double of a main course. He ate that. Then he ordered a <laughs> double of a main course. <laughs> then he ordered a double of a starter that came afterwards. He was disappointed because they only gave him a regular size portion. So he got unhappy about that. Then one of the waiters came over and joked to him like, oh, are we, should I now bring some olives and stuff because you're eating your meal in reverse, uh, <laughs> which he didn't enjoy. He then finished eating all of this and immediately declared that he was still hungry and that he was hoping to get some wings at the bar that we were going to immediately afterwards. <laughs> but oh, it's so good. But then when we were at that bar, he told us that the week before he had been in, he'd been out on a night out and a uh, he'd been talking to this girl and that she'd started he started hitting on her and was pretty interested in her and at one moment she suggested that the two of them visit the bathroom in the bar together. To which Vasilis turned around and said, No, I'm no longer interested in you, because if you don't have enough respect for yourself to not sleep with someone in a bar bathroom, then I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> which I thought... Oh my god, wow! The audacity! <laughs> from a guy who does horrific and disgusting things on a consistent basis. What a what a, what a high horse to be on. I, wow. Wow. <laughs> What was her response to that? <laughs> he, he didn't say, really. <laughs> I can't imagine it was a good one. I wouldn't love it if someone told me that. But uh, no, I guess just uh, a girl that Vasilis, he'll probably have more interest in her six months from now following a typical Vasilis pattern where once nothing happens, he stalks her on Instagram, you know, fall in love with her once it's no longer a possibility. If, she, if she's smart, she'll do something like move to Australia and then he'll be in love with her for the rest of his life speaking of food we routinely
0: update the chicken sandwich wars and i have some chicken sandwich war content a avid listener of our podcast my father (laughs) decided it was his mission after hearing all our episodes on the chicken sandwich wars that he was going to go out and test all the sandwiches and rate all the sandwiches so in, his, in their four-day drive back or three-day drive back from visiting me in Tucson to driving to New Jersey, which is a very long drive, they stopped at three of the fast food places, one each day, and then the next two days when they were home, he stopped at the other places. Now, I gave him some specifications that we had talked about previously that to request that it be a fresh-made sandwich. And that to just be their standard sandwich so no specialty ingredients no like upgraded spicy chicken sandwich just their standard chicken sandwich so his ranking after doing the five is popeyes is the clear winner he gave it a nine out of ten and when i asked what is like a nine He said that would be the equivalent to having a really good chicken sandwich in an actual restaurant. So one that you would eat in a sit-down restaurant and say, wow, that was really good. I would order that again. He said the bun was great. The chicken was a really, really big piece of chicken. It was juicy, super crispy. He said the Popeye's one was like a knockout. Next was the KFC one, which was almost as good. But the chicken just wasn't as juicy. But he emphasized that both the Popeyes and the KFC, it was like a real piece of chicken, not a fast food piece of chicken, which is interesting. Next was Burger King, which he said was very close to KFC, just a little bit below, which was, I think, a surprising one. He then said the next two were way below and was Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. He said the McDonald's one was really bad, didn't like it at all. The Chick-fil-A, it was a smaller piece. It was a drier piece. The bun wasn't as good. He just said overall, nowhere near the Popeyes. So the company who started the chicken sandwich wars
1: is apparently winning. (laughs) I think the Chick-fil-A ranking is probably the most surprising. I would have have expected McDonald's and Burger King to be at the bottom, and I would have thought Chick-fil-A – I mean, I've obviously I've had Chick Fil A. It's I've always thought it was pretty decent whenever I've had it, but you know, again, I mean, them. You're talking about three companies there where chicken is their thing, so you would have yeah. <laughs> expected that they would have been higher than just the the general McDonald's or Burger King, where they're just making standard fast food of all varieties. But yeah, surprising, a real knock for Chick Fil A. But good news for Sam, I guess it's disappointing that he's not here to to get that a win a win for his his community.
0: Yes, cuz now London has the Popeyes and he was excited to go try the Popeyes chicken sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, now we'll have to get his off the podcast review. The the other follow up I had to that was Arby's has now entered in on this new thing that they want to start which is Arby's is now daring you to try what they call is the spiciest sandwich on the market. They're coming out Monday with the Diablo Dare Sandwich, which comes in either a crispy chicken or a smoked brisket variety. It has five sources of heat. One, ghost pepper jack cheese. Two, fiery hot seasoning. Three, fire roasted jalapenos. Four, Diablo barbecue sauce. And five, a red chipotle bun. That last one is a little questionable as to how much heat a, a bun will provide. But Arby's is quoted as saying, it's so spicy, we had to include a free vanilla shake to cool your mouth down between bites.
1: I've never enjoyed eating hot food for the sake of eating hot food. Like I, I, I like spicy food, but I'm never going to just... I'd never eat a challenge where I was just trying to eat something hot. That doesn't sound good to me. I've also never been to Arby's, so Arby's doesn't sound good. No, I've, to me. I've been I've there. never. <laughs> I've never heard good things about Arby's, but I've never been, so I don't want to knock it too much. But yeah, I don't think I'll be adding that to a list of things I need to try. It it is. I it's got
0: to it's gonna work though. I feel. Because anytime you put a challenge to people, I think they will eat that up, literally, and try that. And also the sense, I love that marketing of, we're going to provide a free vanilla shake because it's so hot. What a great move. That shake cost them 15 cents. It costs them just a tiny bit more than that medium soda at Giant Stadium costs
1: that they offer to their fans. Also, the spice, <laughs> the heat challenge is always a good one because people really see that as you're you're questioning a lot of times like their manhood it's like oh you don't think i can handle that heat or their womanhood yes. <laughs> yeah yeah not to but it, it gets people really riled up much more than a quantity does or you know like it really feels as if no no no, you're i can handle that which again i always find interesting people will put them through themselves through absolute misery to just try and prove that they can eat hot food I mean, I regularly see this, even when you get curries with people, people often feel like the curry, that if they order if they order like a chicken korma, that that's like a sissy curry order. And so then they'll order something hot, even though they don't really like it, but just because they're, they're proving <laughs> the point that they could eat it, I find it very weird. Yeah, I do not like spicy food at all. And I guess I'm in the wrong
0: region to not enjoy spicy food, which I get ridiculed for quite often. But it's just not enjoyable to me. I don't understand why you want to be in pain when you're eating. I'd rather be able to taste all components of the food, not have, you know, my tongue burnt off. It's, I don't know, i just never been able to handle it, but I know there are people who do enjoy it and, and, you know, love the spicy food. We used to have those. We had a really good hot wing challenge where I grew up and we used to, that was kind of a thing, you know, like nothing to do on a Saturday. Let's find some idiot who wants to try the challenge and let's go do it. And we, I mean, we did, I watched at least 10, 12 people do it. And it's, it never looked enjoyable. It looked absolutely
1: miserable and disgusting and it never ended well. (laughs) It's a shame he didn't know Vasilis back then because you could have had him try it every Saturday. He Probably just kept going back. It's still around. If he ever comes to visit me in New Jersey, I will take him to it. but is this the is this the wing place? It's also a sushi place? Is it that place? No, no, that's
0: in South <laughs> Jersey. That's a different place. That's a really good right. place. They just completely renovated their bar.
1: No, this is Cluckyou chicken. Oh, it's... pretty popular in in Central Jersey, but I also agree with you. there's times when you're I, I like hot food, spicy food, but sometimes when people are just going for a heat factor then there's no real flavor in it. There's certainly no balance of flavors. They are just burning your tongue off. And that's when I don't get it. If you're eating spicy food and you're still getting kind of a a different, you know, being able to taste a number of flavors within that, then that's fine. And you'll get that, you know, a nice curry place can do a hot curry that still has that aspect. But sometimes you are just getting people whose sole purpose is to make it basically inedible. That's a it's a weird thought to me when you're making food. So any other big uh, talking points, quiet weekend in, in, in European football with obviously the FA cup going on in England and uh, you know, some European leagues still not back. You know, we'd, we had spoken about Bayern Munich and their Friday their night their match on Friday night. They were heavily affected by COVID. Basically we're just able to put together a 11 first teamers pretty much. And then, a bunch of youth team players. They lost to Borussia Mönchengladbach, one of the teams further down the table, which I thought it was interesting. To me, it's where the COVID conversation becomes tough because Bayern's defeat will likely have no impact on the outcome of who wins the the Bundesliga because they are already quite far ahead and they've looked by far and away the best team. But when you are playing a team towards the bottom of the table... That is very much an unexpected three points for them. And I'm kind of torn on it because obviously the same situation could happen just through injuries or suspensions. So it's not as if, it's not like you have to guarantee that every team can field a full strength team before a match goes ahead. But it does feel like a scenario where and Mönchengladbach have suddenly been major winners. We've seen this in other sports too, right? Particularly last season, we saw it when the Steelers really lost out because of opponents delaying games. I know that Arsenal supporters were very upset last week on Thursday when Liverpool had the uh, League Cup semi-final postponed, and then the next day Liverpool reopened their training ground. So it was kind of uh, seemed like a little bit of a ploy just to get that game pushed so that they would be a little bit sort of fitter for the for the rearranged fixture, and then they were right back to it. Yeah, and, and
0: hopefully, you know, you don't have any big COVID issues going into the NFL playoffs, which, you know, everything is kind of ramping up in the U.S. now, and it'll be a shame to see these teams not at full strength or missing a key player, or, you know, missing a quarterback could really affect your playoff run. So ho- hopefully that all goes well. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next week or two.
1: Yeah. And we're kind of spinning back around, I guess, but Fabio Capello, former England manager, Real Madrid manager, AC Milan, I mean, one of the most successful managers in European football over the last couple of decades, also had a great career with Juventus, AC Milan, Roma. He came out and his exact quote was, refusing the vaccine is an act of selflessness if selfishness sorry if the police are forced to get vaccinated i don't see why the same rule can't be applied to players anyone who does not want to be vaccinated harms the company and therefore should see their wages cut say uh, a strong position from fabio Capello. wow it's quite strong <laughs> well, yeah anything else from from the weekend or the last few days or i guess the last few weeks from a listener's perspective
0: no, not so much. Uh, let's see, we watched Hawkeye, and that was decent. Sorry, Sam, you're no longer here to discuss Marvel TV shows and movies. We started watching Stay Close on Netflix, which is like, it's a murder mystery. And it, the book takes place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, but they decided to make the show based in England. And from what I've read, people are really pissed because... <laughs> It, it like is in random parts of England and they drive from location to location but it's not as close as it is even though they're fictional it's not real places it's fictional but people they're real landmarks you know so people can recognize where they're going and people are outraged it does not make sense which I don't know it's hard to believe, but I guess people in England don't drive. That's the difference. I want, no. People, because when I looked, it's it's like it's like an hour or two drive, and people were like, no one would ever drive that. And it's like, I don't <laughs> no, okay. in the
1: In the States, they would. <laughs> people in England do drive. But yeah, certainly the concept of regularly driving two hours is just because the country's not as big. I mean, that's just anywhere in Europe. But obviously, the US, where things are so spread out, and driving is the primary form of transport, and it's not unusual to. To to drive those distances, but yeah, it would be people are not regularly kind of going places that are two hours away. um I do find it interesting when people get really upset about geography. Not, I mean, it's 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 a work of fiction. I don't understand. Like, yeah, it's fictional places just with you know real backgrounds. Like, yeah, but even if it's a real place, people will do that. You know, you'll be watching someone and someone will talk. You know, I've seen people complain about TV shows set or movies set in LA. Where you know the one character will be somewhere, and then and then twenty five minutes later they're in a part of LA. And it's, it would take you at least two and a half hours, and that's if the traffic is good. It's like who cares? Do you want a movie to be so grounded in reality that we have to watch the main characters get frustrated in a traffic jam for a little bit, so that you feel as if it's a more accurate portrayal of what living in LA is like? And the other
0: one I've been watching um, is the new season of Curb, which. Started off a little slow, but it's gotten progressively better. I just watched the episode where he goes campaigning with one of the the women, and I won't spoil it for everyone, but one of his. Uh, like, why to vote for the candidate is because he's going to outlaw people saying Happy New Year's after January 5th, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, so, unfortunately, we won't be able to wish people Happy New Year's on this podcast because we've already passed that date. <laughs> I, I, I've i been watching Curb.
1: I kind of feel as if... and. I don't want it to stop because I do feel like every episode and certainly every season has these really good moments where they really get it right. But overall, I feel like the show's probably run its course and they've run out of things to like everyday things to complain about or isn't it frustrating? And now they're creating scenarios that just don't happen. And Larry David's like social awkwardness is at a degree that just is not possible. I also – the thing I find the <laughs> most frustrating about one of the premises of Curb Your Enthusiasm is the lack of interest people have in interacting with Larry David. And whilst he might be a difficult person to be around in real life, he is still a near-on billionaire creator of Seinfeld. People would be very interested in speaking with him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That's always part of the show. The only time where they kind of ditch that is when he's quite successful with women. So he manages to land women who he would, in real life, I would say, have very little chance of getting. But, yeah. which is very similar to Seinfeld when you look at like the when you go
0: back and look at the real actresses that have been portrayed as Jerry's girlfriend on the show, and you think there's no way he would get one or two of these, let alone three dozen yeah. of these
1: women. Yeah, no, I mean the yeah Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriends over the course of seinfeld were an incre like just an incredible array of women but <laughs> yeah that's the bit and it would be hard because obviously trying to they couldn't the premise of the show kind of goes out the window if people are interested in larry david and don't find him disagreeable regularly but there is just that part where it's i don't know
0: The only thing I was thinking about is on the show, he's portrayed as having all of this time to, you know, like go to the cleaners, pick something up, then go back to the cleaners, then go to dinner. Then I can't imagine Larry David has more than three, two to three hours of free time in his day. I mean, he's constantly I mean, he's writing Curb and things. I, I mean, he's writing TV shows. He's probably doing interviews
1: all the time. I don't think he's doing interviews all the time. And he, yeah, he writes Curb, but they make a season every couple of years. And for the most part, it's it's ad-libbed. So you think he has that much free time? I think he's... You think that's an actual, an accurate, accurate portrayal? I think he probably has a lot of free time. The thing that I think is an inaccurate portrayal is just his total lack of help. Like... No, you know, he's doing so much stuff. No personal assistant. He's doing so much stuff himself. Now, maybe he's just a super grounded guy who has the free time and likes doing it. And also, maybe, you know, he seems to not like, you know, there's there's other – he gets really annoyed about what are, for him, very small sums of money, which is the other – Now, maybe he's really like that. That is entire. There are people out there who become – worth hundreds of millions of dollars and still get upset about $50 that a friend hasn't given them. Maybe it's possible, but there are moments where you're like, you, you, I don't think you'd care too much about this (laughs) $2,000 you need to spend right now. But maybe, maybe that's. Listen, there's a good way to find this
0: out, Eddie. We get Larry on the podcast. We ask him these questions. We talk a little about sports. He enjoys sports. We can get into some little sports topics and then also ask him what a a normal day in the life of Larry David looks like.
1: Look, I'd love that. That would be a major coup for the podcast. I think that would be, <laughs> we might be a little bit away from there, I think. Uh, because I will say I, he doesn't seem to do a lot of interviews. I've seen him on Rich Eisen, which is when I've seen him t- talk about sports quite a lot and he seems to like going on there and talking about New York sports and just oh, perfect. We're better than Rich Eisen. I don't know if we are what's what's he got <laughs> I just think Rich Eisen's pretty good <laughs> I will <was> say <saying. laughs> and as you know I'm a big I'm I'm a big person of hate watching or listening to shows Rich Eisen's one I actually enjoy his takes and he doesn't he's not someone who zags just for the sake of zagging, but he does consistently have opinions that differ from most of the mainstream so I'll have that as a a little Rich Eisen shout out and you know maybe he watches, listens to this and and really appreciates that compliment from a podcast that I'm sure he has the utmost respect for. Well, you know, Rich, if you're listening,
0: we have finally gotten rid of Sam, who was so hideous we couldn't put on screen, and we'd be really happy to have you be the third co-host of the Big Chill Podcast,
1: and we'd be happy to put you on screen with us. Oh, so (laughs) I mean, that's kind of, I'm not sure how much of a compliment that was to his appearance, Uh, but... <laughs> we'd love to have your face be the face of our podcast. The better. <laughs> oh, look! If he wants to come on and rebrand this totally as the Rich Eisen podcast, I'm fine with that. We'll just be—I mean, he already has his his group of people around him. But I'm happy to join.
0: No, listen. It
1: would be the Big
0: Chill Podcast presents Rich Eisen, maybe at most presents. I Rich wouldn't Eisen? be willing
1: to. Yeah, I wouldn't be willing to switch and make it the Rich Eisen podcast. But we wouldn't be the Big Chill podcast presented by, we present Rich Eisen. It's just... No, we present Rich Eisen. Like, we have his face just on the screen. Okay. It's <laughs> an interesting bit of branding. <laughs> but yeah. We'll, we'll see if that becomes an issue that we... A bridge we have to cross further down the road.
0: All right. With that, I guess I'll uh, talk to you later this week when we make our...
1: NFL playoff predictions. Yeah. All right. Cheerio. Cheerio.